0: How do you do? Mr. Carl Lindley feels it would be a little unkind to present this picture without just a word of friendly warning. It is one of the strangest tales ever told. It deals with the two great mysteries of creation, life and death. I think it will thrill you. It may shock you. It might even horrify you. So if any of you feel that you do not care to subject your nerves to such a strain, now is your chance to... uh, what is it? we, we found you. Correct
1: with the I <laughs> do batteries to power. Turbines to Got <laughs> bat robots jumping down fat Albert McCoskey. <laughs> it sounded good at the time, but I don't see this working out. <laughs>
2: what the hell are you, buddy? I don't know. Who is this irresistible creature
3: who has an insatiable love for the dead? Long shot can I see this whole segment going wrong. Big Papa P. Just sitting out in the air gathering
2: flies. There's another dude I forget. Then you didn't pull person.
1: You
3: pulled it guy. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Loud Idiots radio broadcast. Your source for comic books, sci fi, horror, fantasy, professional wrestling, and all the various and diverse elements of geek culture. So strap yourself to your chair, pull open your ears, and grab your D20 tight because the show is about to begin. <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Loud Idiots. I am so happy to be here today. I'm Big Papa Pete.
0: I'm Longshot Ken. You got the big dog, Dan. And with us,
1: as usual... Oh, I don't know. I wouldn't say as usual. It's been a long time.
4: I refuse to say anything because it's not usual. Nothing about this is usual. (laughs) (laughs) This is all irregular. You're (laughs) always
0: lurking. You're in the background. That is true. I'm always lurking. Feel your fingers.
4: Wait, no, no. I'm completely. I'm not going to go by. I'm not going to go by any name. (laughs) Uh, uh, We'll we'll say I'm Radio's Frank, and we'll (laughs) we'll leave it at that for now. Radio's
3: Frank. Who is it's, always here, whether you hear him or not. That's true. If they your fingers.
1: The heart of non-productive.com. It's good to have you with us, Frank. It's uh, good to be here? Mm. Well, well, you know what? I, I, I figured that this was like a retribution type thing because uh, our guest tonight is uh, novelist R.A. Salvatore that I know a lot of us are all big fans of. And, Absolutely. And yes. uh, Frank was actually kind enough to help initially set up the interview. The problem was Frank was having some tech problems and couldn't join in on the interview. And uh, I
4: wanted to I was passed was out tech- drunk is what he's trying to avoid yeah. saying. Yes, yeah. passed out drunk. Well, right. Technically, Day drunk. that's a problem. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that does qualify.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, I did want to make sure that Frank was actually here to help us today because uh, uh, we're all gamers in some capacity or another. And, and with uh, Salvatore, you know, he's big with, the whole D&D crowd and and the mythology. And uh, I figured it would be really cool if we talked about our first experiences into exploring Dungeons and Dragons.
4: Yeah, I'm excited to talk about this, uh, to fully geek out. And I'm actually curious, because I don't know, I'm, I'm assuming, I can only assume that Den helped give Gary Gygax the idea to play Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> uh, and that Pete is planning on playing Dungeons and Dragons any week now once he could get a group together. Absolutely nothing
0: to do with the axe throwing competition in Wisconsin. I, really I, it
1: didn't. Actually, Dan, I, I think Frank was just making an age joke in that, you know we were was, there to
4: was you were not, what? We were there to help
1: Gary Gygax initially with Dungeons and
3: Dragons. I and Gygax, or as Jen knows him, the young whippersnapper. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I
0: know. Well, the young lad was really impressive. Really was. He was kind of spry and imaginative. A, but I was a, impressed with how he handled a tomahawk, honestly, I am, and yeah. tied a dragon into it. Of all things.
3: You know what? Halfling. I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and assume that's the first time that Gary Gygax has been referred to as spry. <laughs>
1: Wow. Wow.
0: Okay. You win for that one. (laughs) No no, no offense. I mean...
3: Yeah, 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 unfortunately.
0: What can I say? It's
3: just not an attribute. He was never, as far as I know, known for his athleticism.
0: Okay. Well, okay. Um, Young. Young implies Spry, right? You know, work with me here.
4: (sighs) Can you imagine... Do you ever, like, stop and think somebody would stumble upon this podcast and think what the hell is happening like two minutes in.
1: So anyway, Frank, (laughs) um, I now, I now shudder to say thank you for joining us, but uh, Uh,
4: for the remainder of this podcast, can you not use my name? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, come on, man. When
0: did you, when did you
1: turn around and discover multi-sided die? Well, Frank, how about you start off being our guest tonight?
4: Uh, honestly, the, my introduction to Dungeons & Dragons was the animated show. The Marvel uh, Comics, I guess, made animated show in the 80s. When I was... Yes, that's the theme song. That's what Ted's doing, the theme song. Uh, but no, uh, it was that. I was big into portal fantasies as a kid. Um, I, I think I got into it with like Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, probably. And the kids whisked away to a magical world was amazing to me. And at sometime in junior high, my eldest sibling, she was the first person in our family to go to college. And when she was entering college, I was entering junior high. So when she was entering college, like the, this is a ridiculous story, um, the, her like guidance counselors or whatever were like, oh, well, you have straight A's, but you don't have any extracurriculars. You know, no, no sports, no, no activities. And that, looks, that doesn't look great on a college application. And the entire family was shocked and devastated. What is she going to do? This is such a, such a dumb thing to be worried about now. But like at the time, no one knew. So we were concerned. Uh, so my parents passed an edict that we all had to join some sort of club. So into junior high, I looked through a list of clubs at Christopher Columbus Middle School. That's right. <laughs> Name drop. Uh, I looked at two budget clubs and uh, Dungeons and Dragons club was one of the ones there. And I only knew it from the cartoon and from, I guess for some reason I had the TSR like miniatures magazine as a kid. I I don't really remember how that happened, but uh, I uh, joined that club and Found out what a role playing game was, and was indoctrinated by a bunch of older kids in what was probably a cult, and the the rest goes down in history. Uh, yeah, that's it. I came, I went in there for collegiate reasons. That
1: is wow, incredible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm I'm shocked that Clifton High School in Jersey here actually even allowed that kind of club back when we were going to school.
4: It had to have been, I think, 1989. So just, probably just after the, the height of the satanic panic. Um, <laughs> and it only lived for like a year because the kid who was running the club was a, whatever is a senior for junior high, was about to leave to high school. Uh, I think his name was Chris. That's all I remember. And he left and went into uh, to high school the next year when it was my, you know, when I was in seventh grade uh, in junior high in New Jersey, at least in the school, it was sixth, seventh and eighth so uh, and yeah I, I don't know why it got through i didn't know much about the horror i i i knew satanic panic but mostly from like heavy metal music uh wow. i didn't really know yeah. it from D at all nobody ever warned me against it but i knew about it almost immediately afterwards because it's kind of baked into geek culture
1: well let me ask um, you too like uh Considering that, that it was a, a club in school, like what did you get out of it? I mean, you learned how to play, I mean, you know, but like like what were you able to take away from, from doing that in a school
4: environment? Barely anything. I don't even know if I learned how to play, really. This was at a time of my life where I just walked along. I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, this is apparently we're playing make-believe. I think I was most <laughs> excited by the different shaped dice. The D4, I remember being like, what? This isn't a normal die. This isn't in trouble. You know, uh, and uh, I think the DM had like a monster manual, and there was like a, the fact that there was a book of monsters was cool to me, but like barely anything else. I remember having a bar of soap in my equipment list and being interested by that. And I remember coming up with a way to kill trolls because trolls regenerated so every time we hacked at them they would just keep getting back so I was like I'm just gonna leave my sword in it and I don't even know if that I don't think that works but the GM was like I guess (laughs) and we just left (laughs) and uh, we just left their weapons and a bunch of trolls and and there were giant rats the teacher who ran the club who I don't remember who it was but I think it was probably an English teacher looked like she had no idea or clue about what we were doing and, um, you know, we did it so infrequently that I don't like, it, it. it's odd. It was just, it was such a weird moment that you can only be, if you're like a geek from the eighties, if your parents were immigrants and they didn't really know anything, Like they, they didn't buy into the satanic panic because no, who was going to tell them about, you know, well, this will take your child away from Christ. And they'll be like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> so like, what does that mean to us? It doesn't like none of it it was such a weird moment. Uh, I, there was another club. I also almost joined D D one, but I almost joined my second club that I wanted to pick was oh, yeah. modeling, modeling club. Cause I had heard that geeks I'd learned. Geeks are into modeling, right? They build models. Right. And I'm like, Oh, that's, Oh, that's me. I want to be a geek. I was a wannabe geek. So I was like, sure, I'll do that. I never ended up going to a session and like, months later or maybe a year later i found out modeling club was for models like people who wanted to be models
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: and there's a whole nother frank trajectory if i went to that club session there's a whole oh nother God. there's an alternate there's timeline
0: twelve thousand dollars worth of therapy right there's, there it would have
4: been so great if i had only gone and to that's that.
0: that's an 80s value.
4: <laughs> yeah why did why did christopher columbus Junior high have a club for kids who wanted to become models. That feels a little weird, but re- regardless, that's that's why I'm a geek and not a trend-setting global sex bot.
1: God, I wish we had uh, the ability to travel the multiverse just just to figure that
4: one out. It's really it's gonna it I would be interesting.
3: I don't want to see that future.
0: <laughs> okay, tell you what. Now, when you think in that realm. Of okay, Frank got being a model? First, no, that's painful. Um, but anyway, Dungeons and Dragons, you have uh, all kinds of races, um, inclinations, everything else. You've got a dark elf. What do we think when we think dark elves? We think well, of the modern adaptation, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think of our okay. guest tonight.
0: Exactly. I think a silver hair. I think a athleticism beyond compare. Our guest tonight turned around and recreated. He is the godfather of what a current dark
1: elf is envisioned. Yeah, Relentless comes out July 28th. Uh, I mean, it, we're like, what, 20-something books in at this point then? Yes, sir. And... Like I said, I, I, I don't know, Dan. I um I know you have I know you've been keeping up more than I have with the series, but I use this this new trilogy to do a starting back up with Drist. And if you haven't read it yet, it, it's a really good jumping on point. If you, if you are familiar, or if you're not familiar with the character, because uh, Salvatore does a really good job of creating a, a new a new way of telling past and present in, in, in this new book and catching you up. Brings it
0: from science to art, man. Yeah. He really does. He brings an old style of writing into a refined style of writing. Bottom line, you just got to love it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know what, guys? We're going to take this time to actually let, let the man himself tell us a little bit more about the book. So hang tight, and we'll be back right after this. All right, Longshot Ken here for Nonproductive. We have the absolute pleasure of having one of my favorite writers of all time with us again. We have the great R.A. Salvatore. Bob, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Uh, Absolutely.
2: I mean, I'm, I'm short. Social distancing stuff. I've been doing that for 30 years. So. <laughs>
1: You know, uh, I, I've been doing some interviews with people uh, during during this whole ordeal, and everyone's talking about how their lives are changing, uh, how rough it is not being able to go to the office. And I think back to when we talked to you uh, a couple of years ago, and you're like, "I work from home, so this has to be
2: cake for you, right?" Well, it is not it? Isn't? I mean, it's it's hard when you're trying to be careful. I've got grandkids; they live in another town. We just started seeing my sisters again on our morning, our Monday morning coffee because we set up our patio with enough distance between everybody. You know, we're all trying to be safe. So it's nerve-wracking, but I you know, I, I do work from home, even when times are good. So, yeah, I think I can handle it better than most. Um, my life is structured more in favor of COVID quarantine than, it, than, than, unfortunately, so many other people are. And, you know, it's funny, because when at first this whole thing started, people were calling me up like, how do you do this, my friends, you know? And, I, and I'd say, well, make sure you take a shower, <laughs> even if you don't feel like it. That's try, what I'm doing wrong. Try to get out of your pajamas at least every other day and um, build some structure into your life. We were, I was losing my mind when it started. We were out in California. We have a house in California. But the house in California, it's more, I mean, we're never in the house. We're always at the beach or wherever. So I don't have the amenities there like I have here. So we had to get out of there and get home because I have a big yard here and I can go outside. I have a batting cage in my backyard.
1: Oh, that's awesome! So let's kind of uh, catch up a little bit. The last time we we got to speak was about two years ago, around this time, uh, when Timeless first came out, which yeah. is which was the first book in your new Drift series. Yes. Uh, since then, uh, last year, Boundless came out, and now we're waiting for the upcoming Relentless, which I know I have and a lot of people have. Uh, can you give us a little bit of background as to what we can expect going into the, the uh, new book?
2: Yeah, well, it's following the same format as the first two in Generations, where two, chapter, uh, two sections will be in the past. And now this time, it, it actually those sections take place alongside the story in Homeland, um, because we're at that point in the past now where Dritz will be born and and all the way up through him going to the academy and all of that. But it's being told from a different point of view, of course. It's being told from the point of view of Zack Defain and, and Joel Axel, who really wasn't in that book, and then the two the two. And this is something I've been building up to, and I don't want to give too much away for a long time regarding what's going on with the drow. But the two sections that go forward in the current time in the realms are going to surprise a lot of people. And, and it's something that's been building for at least five books, but something we've been, I've been pushing for for probably 20 books. And finally, now is the time. To, because we've built to it. We've built to it.
1: Um, let me ask you, one of the things that uh, I had been hearing from people, too, um, one of the things that they've noticed with this new trilogy is the fact that there's no Forgotten Realms banner on the covers of the books. Yeah. Is, is that a conscious thing, or is that just a publishing thing? Uh, well, that's
2: a pub, That's, that's a HarperCollins Wizards of the Coast decision. It has nothing to do with me. they are okay. forgotten Realms books. Wizards of the Coast sees... outline they approve the outline uh when i have things i want to delve into um i make sure that they know what i'm going to do and they approve it and when they've got things that they really want to come up in the book they talk to me as well I've, i've gone out there a few times and we sit down and talk about it they know what i'm planning they know what i've been doing they've been helping me along the way i've been incorporating some of their ideas They've been incorporating some of my ideas because we had a lot of work to do. And uh, so it's it's definitely a the the fashioning of the story and the surroundings is a joint exercise. I mean, I'm doing the writing, but they're they're approving it. So it is absolutely forgotten realms.
1: Now, with with this trilogy ending,
2: are we still working with HarperCollins after this? Uh it's, it's, it, the world is changing i have no idea what's going to happen okay if I, did, I wouldn't tell you uh. <laughs> <laughs> there's 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 a there are a lot of things going on right now obviously in the world and we'll see what happens
1: with the whole COVID thing and, and staying home and everything um we find that uh we're hearing a lot more people are also being introduced to dungeons and dragons whether online or being able now to kind of hang out with friends and family that are getting introduced to it, which I think is a, a really cool thing. And one of, the, one of my friends just started playing and was just introduced to Drist as a, as a character and thought it was cool. And I wound up passing off like six books to him. Yeah, And I'm like, you really have to read these. But it looks like uh, gaming in general is taking a big hit, especially where you're concerned. Uh, actually, this week I just saw that Wizards released a trailer for the new Baldur's Gate three. Yeah. Have you been able to to, to check this
2: out yet, or? I haven't seen the trailer. I, I unless it's the same one I saw at the licensee meeting last year. Um, I know it's. I knew it was coming, and um, I mean, my I had such a great time with the original, the original uh, Baldur's Gate.
1: I remember you saying that you had a hard time when you came up uh, across a particular uh, Dark
2: Elf with scimitars and, and weren't able to defeat him. Um, yeah, he wiped out my party repeatedly. He wouldn't give me his stuff, and I knew he had good stuff because I gave it to him. So, <laughs> But I had no idea he was in the game. It kind of shocked me, actually. That was way back when. Well,
1: it looks like it's a big year for video gaming over at Wizards too, because I also saw, and if it's still on, on track, uh, we might be looking at Dark Alliance 3 at the end of the year, beginning of next year.
2: Uh, that's my understanding. I, I don't know where they are with it exactly, but um, we did a press briefing on Monday for it, and um, yeah, two games is moving right along. So, Well, I, that was one of my quarantine things, because I've
1: been playing Boulder's Gate for the old console systems again, because it's been like, what, almost 15 years or so since one came out. So I was shocked when I actually was doing some research here that it was coming, and then even more shocked to find that it's not Boulder's Gate. It looks like it's Icewind Dale. Is it really? I didn't even know that,
2: but cool. Icewind yeah. Dale seems it, it, well. I mean, this seems to be the theme this year, right? I mean, they have the Icewind Dale RPG module got announced yesterday, and the uh, Funko Pop Dritz figures came out a little while ago, Dritz and Guinevere. So, yeah, it's all good from my point of view. Yeah, right.
1: I mean, what I love what
2: you- windale I could I could adventure there all day long. In fact, I do. <laughs>
1: No, what do you what do you think personally has also been part of the uh, the staying power with these characters and why there's so many fans that have clamored for them?
2: I think that um, there's something universal about being misunderstood. Um, I think so. I think Dritz is is everybody can relate to that feeling that he has sometimes of being alone and being misunderstood and misjudged, uh, and in his case, it was because. He was in a place, first he was in a place he couldn't accept, and then he was in a place that couldn't accept him. And other than that, I don't know, uh, I'm not going to pretend I'm some great sage on this on this part of the business because so much of it seems organic, you know, but I but I know the, the feeling I get when I go to a book signing and I see someone there with his son and, the, his, gra- and, and his granddaughter and all three of them are sharing the new book um, is pretty heartwarming for me. So I'm just glad it's happening. I don't really know why. I do think Dritz resonates still. I think the character is relevant um, because of the way he's developed. I, you know, when I, when I was writing Dritz and thinking of my own feelings when I was a kid in junior high, I was, I was picked on mercilessly. <laughs> I was one of those. I was little. Um, and but it. As I grew grew a little older and got a little bare and didn't get picked on anymore, I began to realize that even the kids that I thought were like the popular kids in school were feeling kind of out of place and off balance as well. Very cool. Now, you, you've done like book signings. Uh, the last time we, we spoke,
1: you were supposed to be going over to New York Comic Con, mm-hmm. which is a huge, huge venue. How, how did the uh, signing go for, for Timeless during that?
2: Oh, it was great. I did a I did a couple of shows. New York was the biggest one that year. I'm kinda of bummed I was supposed to be the guest of honor at Gen Con this summer. I hadn't been there in six years and I was so looking forward to getting back. And nope, didn't happen. Uh, obviously. But yeah, no, it went great. Every every everything has been going wonderfully with these books. The the response, the emails, the Facebook PMs I'm getting, the Twitter Messages I'm getting, everything is just rolling along, and I and I'm happy about that because these are the books now where I can start doing the payoff for thirty year a thirty year journey, thirty three awesome. year journey actually. Yeah, because we're going back. What um, eighty seven was when everything started. I submitted the first outline in June of eighty seven. The Crystal Shard was written beginning around mid July to October. It came out in February of '88, and then you know, just two years later, I quit my job, I my day job, and became a full-time writer. Now,
1: with the new uh, trilogy ending, you've also had other series, one being "Child of a Mad God," which I thought
2: was incredible. Thank you. I um, the Demon Wars world has been an, a, a very satisfying break for me. <laughs> Different fourteen books in that world now three completely different series different time different places and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger it's drawing me in even more it's a completely different tone from the other stuff that you know we've, we've mostly known you for but
1: I really love those series of books and I think the last time we had discussed it too I'd mentioned my love for uh, graphic audio and what they've been doing with, with your series as yeah. well
2: yeah they've uh, they did graphic audio does wonderful work the other thing I did want to uh, to bring up. I know you're a big baseball fan. Not as much anymore, but as of about two years ago, yeah, I was. I kind of fell off it. I don't like the way they're changing the game.
1: I was gonna ask you with the with the season supposedly starting, you know, what are you what are you doing if
2: it's not around? Um, I don't think they should start personally. I don't think it's gonna work. Starting might be easy, finishing might not be. I think too many people are taking aren't taking this COVID thing seriously as they should.
3: Absolutely. I, mean, I just heard
2: today that 49ers had someone test positive at their, tra- their at their training facility because the team started getting together again. They had someone test positive out in San Francisco. So now what do they do? The, now do the rest of the guys that are on the field have to stay away from their families for two weeks? I, I don't think it's going to work. I wish it would. But look, it, it is. You know, I, I just got done watching um, the Michael Jordan series that they had on. And that's what they're going to have to do for a while. We're going to have to be patient here. If we're patient, we'll we'll be better off. So I I don't. Mookie Betts is playing in L.A. now, anyway, so I don't care. No. <laughs> <laughs> Has all this actually brought your
1: family closer together, too,
2: or? Um, no, my family's always been really close, and and we see we see them all the time. Uh, I'm for, the biggest hurdle for us is that. I have a son, a daughter-in-law, and two grandsons on the West Coast. And I have a son, a daughter-in-law, two and a half grandsons, and a daughter, and another grandson on the East Coast. So when we're back here in Massachusetts, we get to see a lot of them, but we don't see our our family in California. And going back and forth is the thing that's going to be a problem, because I don't want to keep jumping on planes right now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so... You know, and we, we, every year we take our big family trip to Disney, and we had to cancel that this year, obviously, and I don't know when that's going to happen again. But, um, you know, patience. Anything that you can uh, give
1: us a heads up on that we should be looking forward to in the future? Well, Relentless. Of course.
2: You should of be course. looking forward to Relentless. I am, actually. Like I said, it's been a fantastic series so far. I think it's one of the most important books in the realms from the beginning of the realms. How's that? Um, Sounds good. And it's uh, where I've been wanting to go for a long time, and I finally get to do it. So, yeah. Other than that, I'm not sure yet. I'm. I've got an idea for a new Demon Wars series, but I don't know that I have the time. Um, And there's, you know, there's just a lot of there's a lot there's more questions than answers I could give you right now. Understandable. Well, listen, Bob. I really want to thank you for hanging out with us today. It's
1: always a pleasure and an honor. I've been a Fanny work forever, and I, first of all, I want to say thank you for all the years of the stories and the entertainment.
2: It's been a hell of a ride.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, for For our audience, how do we find out more about what's going on with you?
2: Well, the, I I'm not on Facebook as much as I used to be, but I have a page over there. It's our uh, Capital A Salvatore. Um, and also R A RASalvaStore which is my wife's uh, bookstore where you can get signed books anytime. They're doing, they're doing pre-orders for Relentless right now if anyone's interested in getting a signed and personalized copy of Relentless um, and then on Twitter it's R I think it's R underscore A underscore Salvatore. It's Blue Check. Find, find me with a Blue Check on Twitter and I'm active on Twitter as well uh, Other than that, maybe at conventions next year <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I think we're all looking forward to that. Uh, first off, the other thing, too, I want, to, I want to give a big thank you to your wife for setting up and managing R.A. Salva because since we talked and the new series is coming out, those books, especially being signed by you, made phenomenal holiday gifts over the last few years. So thank you. They do make great gifts,
2: don't they?
4: <laughs> what
2: the heck am I going to get for so-and-so? I well, here's somebody doesn't have. And we've got all of them. So there you go. It's funny because I think um, – When the Stone of Tomorrow came out, the three books that I wrote, my son, which are Dritz books, but they were shelved in young adult and nobody knows about them (laughs) or knew about them then. But when they went out of print, I bought all the stock (laughs) and we've been selling those through R.A. So we're almost out. I think we got like one box left and that's it. Um, But that store has been um, I mean, we don't I really wanted to do it. And I think the reason my wife decided to do it is because so many people would say, hey, can I send you books to sign? I don't like being responsible for other people's books. Yeah. Because one time I got my Demon Wars books showed up in this big box from someone. No return address, no, no letter or anything. And I had no idea where to send them. It was just, it was just a box full of books. Box full of books. And, I, and I'm sure it was somebody who somewhere asked, I've got your books. Can I send them for you to sign them? I'm like, sure. So instead of that, we just decided if we do a store, like if you order a book from our store and it doesn't get there, we can replace it. Makes sense. Yeah. I,
1: well, one of the things I love too with it, too, you give the option for being able to personalize some of it. Yeah. You had to have seen some really weird, weird requests come in
2: um that's why there's also a little disclaimer that says that i can change it if i don't think it works <laughs> <Basically>. <laughs> well yeah because a lot of times people are getting a book for someone they care a lot about and they're having me sign it to that person as if it's from them and that doesn't oh. work you know oh. i can't sign it to the love of my life for obvious reasons <laughs> yeah uh, yeah that, that, may, that may not fly too too well at home and I get some funny ones that I think, if I put this in there, am I setting myself up for some legal trouble? It's like, Joe, thanks for all the great ideas over the year. I'm glad it's worked out. And it's like, is he setting me up for a lawsuit? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. You know,
1: there are all kinds of fans. And, you know, a fan is a fan is a fan. But, you know, it, it, it's got to be fun sometimes. Or it's got to be like a, a kick sometimes seeing some, some of the things that might that wind up coming your way.
2: Yeah, it's funny because most of the time it's it's a favorite phrase from a book, but some of them are really long. And I'm writing in a book, on a page in a book that's got other writing on it, and they want me to do like a 300-word inscription. And it's, hmm, this is not going to work very well. But, uh, yeah, no, it, I think it's worked out great over the years. And I don't know if I told you this before, but you know the term e-signing? hmm I have the copyright on that. Get out. A true story. My brother got sick back in the late 90s, 98, and he couldn't work anymore. And so he was sitting around all day just thinking about being sick. So I started a company called Seven Swords with my gaming group and him. He was in my gaming group. And we were just trying to find ways we could make a little bit of money, not because they were making any real money, but just so that we could handle the overhead of what we were trying to do and just have a little fun, you know? So we did the Cursed Tower module for TSR, for Wizards of the Coast. We did um, some t-shirts that we had a license to do for Dritz way back when. We did some hats that we got a license from Wizards of the Coast to do. And uh, I said, well, geez, you know, what about we do signings through the internet? And so we tried it and it worked. And one of the guys in the company, because we called them e-signings, so he got the copyright on e-signings for the company. When the company dissolved, I got everything out of it. So I owned the copyright on the word e-signing. And understand that the only reason we did that and the only reason I own it is so that I don't care if anybody else, anybody else uses it. Because one of the fears I had, and this is why we got it, was that – we're calling it e-signings, but what happens when some conglomerate says, hey, let's buy the URL and the copyright on e-signings, and then prevents us from using that? Right. So we bought it, and I got it. And anybody, you want to use it? Go ahead, use it. You have Everyone in the world has my blessing to use it. That's because awesome. It's not something that should be copyrighted. That is
1: so awesome. Um, hey, listen, Bob. I, re- I really want to, again. I want to thank you for your time. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Remember, the book is relentless. Uh, check it July out. 28th. <laughs> July twenty eighth. July twenty eighth. If if you're a fan, you need to have this book. Uh, if you're not a fan, this is actually a trilogy that you can pick up right now without actually essentially having to read all of the books before it. Uh, yes. you, you've done a very good job of of pretty much encapsulating so much within the
2: three books. Well, hopefully the parts in the past will make people want to go back and start at the beginning.
1: Yeah, I I, I do love the way that it's been framed and it's it's the it's it's fantastic. Um, And like I said, remember, remember to uh, to pick up a copy of the book. Enjoy it. I know I will. I can't wait to get my hands on it. Bob, thanks again for hanging out with us.
2: Absolutely. And after you read the book, you're going to want to talk to me again and you can. But but get Zoom, will you? Yeah, I, I promise.
1: <laughs> All right, man. Have a good night. Thanks. You too. Take care, All both of right. you. Bye now. All right. So, um, yeah, my first experience at D&D I actually started off, um, I was a Boy Scout. And every month we would go on camping trips. And there was a, a group of guys that actually brought the books and dice and, and everything with them on these camping trips. And I started joining them and we would start on Friday nights at like 10 o'clock at night till like one or two in the morning and we would do that Friday and Saturday nights once a month and
4: that's cool
1: yeah to like the first yeah. or second month I was I was just hooked because I got into the whole fantasy element and how people played as parties together and, and worked as teams it was I, I thought it was just cool and bizarre <laughs> and very easy to, to get caught up in
3: can so. I can't begin to tell you how how different an experience you and i had with scouting
1: <laughs> that might be a whole other <laughs> show right there
3: yeah nothing like that for me but did you have more to tell
1: no i mean like i said that that, that was my introduction i mean every, i mean what year
3: oh uh, this had to be
1: about 1989
4: mm-hmm. oh interesting oh, same year as go, mine Frank. good vintage yeah there, there you go good vintage
3: now, now what what edition were you playing
1: so with those games, yeah, we started off with second edition. We were doing AD and D second, but when I actually started buying the stuff on my own, I actually bought a box set of first edition and started that way with other people. Okay. And then I was actually would go back and forth depending on the group I was playing with. And then ultimately, it was most most of my my time playing D and D was mostly second until you know meeting up with uh, and playing with you over the last 10 15 years.
3: Yeah. Now going back before that, you're actually the one that introduced me to Dungeons and Dragons. Right. And I think it was I think we were doing the original first edition, just D&D, not AD&D. Right. On that those one or two little toe dips that uh, you and I had cuz most of the time what you and I would play together was tsr is marvel superheroes yes and that was the first time i was actually rolling polyhedrons
1: all two 10-sided dies from marvel superheroes
3: yeah well that was the first time i was introduced to anything that wasn't a six-sided die right right yeah,
4: remember i was all shocked by the the, the pyramid the four-sided yeah. die i was like oh i'm in
3: oh that confused the hell out of me It was like how do i read this thing
4: Still, the number one question asked at gaming tables. It was so. Yeah, where's the exit?
3: That did me in. Hmm. It was magic. But I remember uh, playing that first game, and I think I ended up playing a. Uh, Ken, you tried to ro- run me through a uh, dungeon solo. Right. And I ended up playing as like a halfling cleric, I think.
1: Oh, I don't even remember.
3: Because a monk didn't turn out to be what it turned out to not be what I thought it was. Being a-
4: <laughs> You definitely are the kind of kid. Yeah, yeah. All right, we all filled in that gap. You definitely are like, okay, cool. Not a friar, but a monk. I think I could deal with this. And no. Yeah,
3: it's like, I don't want to do karate. What the hell? <laughs> and I just, I remember getting slaughtered right out of the gate. I don't even remember what I fought. It was, it was like a rat.
1: Yeah, it had to be, I, I think it was something pretty small or simple. Yeah.
3: I, I It's like, wait, did huh I, i've only got like four hit points <laughs> I'm like oh I, i'm dead well that was fun <laughs> let, let, let's go fire up the sago okay
0: <laughs> do y'all remember it like took about two minutes of action and 20 minutes of debate for every damn thing you did
1: sometimes it still does in the beginning say, oh yeah sounds-
3: You're talking in the past tense. That sounds like you haven't played in a while.
0: (laughs) Uh, Good point.
3: Because that wasn't, I mean, that wasn't really me getting into D&D. After that, I thought D&D was for nerds and I wasn't interested. I got into D&D when third edition came out in college. And I bought the uh, player's handbook. We had a whole group ready to go. And we all all created characters. Uh, My buddy had this whole campaign world planned out. And we just never met to play.
4: So, that is, that's true D&D. That's true. <laughs> that is how you play d and you, you have a plan. You, get to, you come up with an elaborate world. And then you never meet.
3: Yep. And that, that was like sophomore year in college. I spent the next two years just subscribing to d- Dragon Magazine, reading as much as I could. I never played a damn game. I, I oh honestly I can't remember the first time I sat down and actually played a game. Oh,
1: okay. Man.
0: I fell in love with it off of a games magazine article, which the primary thing for the entire magazine for that bi monthly edition was the group Blood, Sweat, and Tears. And they had a little two paragraph article about um, Dungeons and Dragons. And it required your it required your brain. It, it wasn't a board game. It required it was a live action role playing game, and it spelled it out for it. And that was in '77, and the game was created in '76. It was already late, and I ran with it. And for the next two years, I couldn't get dice. I got the dice before I got the game. The very first game, mom (laughs) turned around and tried to order for me. Instead of Dungeons & Dragons, it became the board game Dungeon. I'm like, no. So trying to explain that to a southern uh, mother is rather difficult. But she persevered, got it for me, and then regretted it for about three years. Especially (laughs) when she got me the dice. I got to say, um, in a rural community, when you're riding a school bus for two hours to get to and two hours to get from, um, and you've got a bunch of neighbors who are right there with you, it became kind of fun, actually. We we created our own club and got it incorporated through our high school uh, the very first Dungeons and Dragons Club, I think it was created in 82, uh, 81 or 82 That's in cool. Virginia.
3: I was going to add one real quick story. That actually reminds me of a very early experience I had with Dungeons and Dragons and role-playing. And it's related to the Boy Scouts again. I used to subscribe to Boys Life Magazine. Ken, I know you remember that.
0: Yeah. yeah. Loved
3: it. In the back of one of the issues, they had an ad, and it was an ad for uh, ad. It's a 100-level dungeon that you could add to any role-playing game. And that blew my mind, because at that point, the only role-playing game I knew of was Fantasy Star for the sake of Genesis. <laughs> 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 I didn't understand the concept of a pen and paper role-playing game. That's, so I'm uh... trying to figure out how this plugs into your, your Genesis. <laughs> your master system at that point oh wow i I was a very confused little boy about that so and it wasn't until years later that i realized oh that's what they're talking about like dungeons and dragons
0: you know i gotta go into my archive and pull out those things from 1982 because i still have modules
1: well you know what then i think i'm gonna give you a homework assignment then for the next time uh, we get together we are running out of time. I do want to thank Frank for hanging out with us tonight and sharing some old stories.
4: It's been a lot of fun. Thank you.
1: And I want to thank Ari Salvatore. Remember, uh, Relentless is out July twenty eighth. Make sure to pick it up. It's it's going to be a great read. I can't wait to get my hands on it. On that note, that's going to do it. I am Longshot Ken.
3: I'm Big Papa Pete.
1: And the Big Dog Dan.
3: Lad, idiots. Out. out. out.